Hello everyone and welcome wherever you are. It's quite a beautiful <coughs> planet blanket that we are here together encompassing the, the planet, lots of different time zones, lots of different places. Always beautiful to to feel this this flow of um, of all of us gathering, this community that's ca gathering for this particular time to practice together and to explore explore the Dharma together. Maybe I'll, I'll say at this point, um, <laughs> I feel like I've been saying so regularly, oh, you may have noticed already, my internet's not fantastic. Uh, it's been an ongoing problem and yet to be solved. Um, it's a little bit mysterious. Um, this means that, you know, I may freeze or even kind of suddenly disappear and then I reappear. Some of you have experienced it. It's like a magic trick. So um, just, uh, just be patient if that happens. And I think I'll just make somebody a co-host just in case I completely disappear so that the room doesn't close um, if that happens. So if you, if you find that you're a co-host, don't, please don't freak out. It's just going to be pretty. Um, I'm going to do that pretty randomly. Just pick someone. And then if, if I did pick you, you know, if you, if you want to leave, don't worry, you're not, it's not going to mean that you have to stay the whole time. I, I hope that you'd want to stay the whole time. But if you, if you, if you want to leave, just, um, just transfer it to someone else, please. So we have that, um, so we have that back up. So yeah, a really warm, warm welcome to, to everyone here and um, I'd like to invite us all to feel into our intention for this time. And just take a few moments to feel your intention. What is it that you'd like to uh, cultivate during this time together? What is it that you'd like to connect to, to nourish? And then if it comes with words, it doesn't always come with words, but if it comes with words, then uh, a warm invitation to put that into the chat. Yeah. Whatever your intention is for this time, whatever it is that you wish to nourish and to deepen and to connect to. Gratitude. I'm just going to read them as they come in to build equanimity, my dharma, appreciation, 
feeling really at home, trust. To let go of craving, peacefulness, inner harmony and compassion, authentic connection, finding space with those around the world, not giving up, Mm. acceptance. Joy, patience, warmth, and compassion, deep quiet. So we can feel the, the, the resonance, the echoing of these different intentions in our own heart and, and mind as we hear them and read them and feel for ourselves, connecting to others, to cultivate compassion. Mm. receiving peace, compassion and acceptance. We can feel the beauty, we can feel the resonance, we can feel the echo uh, between us of this. This human capacity to have intention, this human capacity to, um, you know, bring intention towards the cultivation of, of the wholesome, of the skillful, of the beneficial for ourselves and and for others. So feeling your own intention, feeling the the resonance of the intentions of others, let's let's practice. Mm. Mm. Let those intentions support us. So if you're not already in a comfortable meditation posture, then do what you need to do. To find and settle into a posture that's supportive for stillness, for steadiness, for balance. and for ease. And once you're settled into the posture for this time, Inviting the awareness and the attention to come into the sensations, to come to the sensations of contact between the body and the seat. And the body and the ground.
Letting those sensations of the contact between the body and that which supports the body be a place where we can root and ground awareness. Feeling the body resting into that which supports the body. Resting into the seat. And resting into the ground. And opening and inviting the support that we're receiving from the seat, from the ground, inviting that support to travel up the body, flowing up the body. And the whole upper body rising up with that support and opening lengthening and the lower part of the body sinking more fully into the support into the contact with the seat and the ground so the whole body lengthening and opening an awareness spreading through the body. Opening out through the body. Feeling awareness filling up the whole body space, whole space of the body. So we can feel this upright movement of the support flowing up the body. This might have an energizing quality, an opening quality. We're also going to bring in the quality of softening the body space, of relaxing and opening. the space of the body. So we can do that with a very light, gentle body sweep. It's very general, very gentle, keeping the awareness wide in the body. Noticing if there's any areas of tension Bring the intention to soften in or around them.
some common areas of tension or contraction might be the eyes and around the eyes, the jaw. Maybe the neck, the shoulders. Just noticing if we can soften, loosen, open. Sometimes the belly. So we're just inviting the whole body space to open, to soften, and to relax. Same time, balanced. <laughs> With a degree of energy. It comes with the uprightness and the support. Just take a couple of minutes to establish this sense of the body and awareness in the body. This balance of uprightness and energy with openness, with softening, and with ease. Awareness wide and open through the whole body. Within awareness, we're going to include either the breath, flow of the breathing, the movement of the breathing through the body space. If the breath is not accessible or comfortable for you, then you can use sound. We're going to use the breath or sound to open the space of awareness in the body and to open up the body. 
With the breathing on the in-breath, feeling the in-breath filling up the whole space of the body. Maybe a little bit larger than the body. And on the out-breath, softening, letting go. Relaxing, feeling how the body naturally lets go on the out-breath. The space of the body gets a little bit larger as that letting go happens. So the breath filling and opening up the whole space of the body. Depending what's needed, we can lean in more to the energizing aspect of the breath, the breath energizing the body space. And we can lean more into the calming and soothing aspect of the breath, whatever's needed right now. If you're using sound, then Letting the sound be the place towards which awareness and the body space expand. So we're not reaching out to sound, but we're just letting the space of awareness expand to the sounds around us. Choosing one or the other, either sound or breath to do this because they're slightly different. But whatever we're using, gently and consistently Staying steady with the body and the awareness in the body and using the breath or the sound to expand and open that whole sensitive space of awareness in the body.
what's arising in experience right now in this moment. It's opening to meet that. Without judgment, with interest, there's any contraction, tension, noticing that, and then softening and loosening, relaxing and opening the contraction itself or around the contraction. Keeping the awareness as wide and as open as we can through the whole body. The breath and sound supporting this expanding and opening of awareness. There's tension, contraction, shutting down, just loosening, opening, softening with a breath or through sound, opening out the space gently, gently. If the energy is low, brightening and energizing through the uprightness of the body, for the aliveness of the breath or of the space of awareness as we open it out, let it open and stretch alive. which can also happen through sound, stretching out to the sound, opening out to the sound.
once more noticing what's arising, what's present in awareness right now. Without judgment, meeting the experience of this unfolding moment. Bringing forth compassion and wisdom to attend to what is here. Wisdom reminding us of possibilities of response in each moment. Compassion reminding us to hold experience tenderly and gently as we explore what is needed and what is possible and what is wholesome right now. So aligning with compassion and wisdom coming back to the body and the space of awareness, the breath or sound. Doing what we can to keep the space of awareness wide and open through the whole body, sensitive, and responsive to the whole body. Filled with compassion, filled with wisdom as we open, as we energize, as we soothe, as we relax. Moment by moment.
whole space of awareness wide and sensitive and open as we soften, energize feeling any well-being that comes when we attend to experience in this way letting ourselves be nourished by the sensitivity, compassion and the wisdom and awareness and in each heart and mind. So please take your time. You can of course continue meditating. No need to rush certainly to transition or change position. I'd like to uh, just say a few, share a few reflections on dana before offering some dharma reflections for this evening. And uh, recently, when I was teaching on a different platform to this one, someone asked me. They said, you know, they come to that platform every day, and every day someone speaks about dana for a few minutes. And, and, you know, they said, I, I totally understand why that needs to happen. And yet I notice that I numb out. Yeah. 
at the sound of another Donatul. And it made me um, reflect on a few things. One was how many, <laughs> many Dana talks I've given this week, which was, you know, just interesting to, to reflect on. Um, and the other, just that invitation, you know, that the, just like in the meditation now, just noticing what's going on. So noticing I'm numbing out when I think, oh, you know, I've heard this before. Yeah. And then being willing to attend to that, you know, because of course, have I? Yeah. And even if I have, what's the opportunity yeah. here? And particularly when uh, it's something, you know, as beautiful as the teachings, yeah, in all their in all their different um, flavors and colors. Yeah. So, what would support us to to stay present? And so. In response, I'm very, you know, it was a really important question and I was very grateful for it and, and, and I continue to be grateful because I want to invite each of us to just reflect, what does dana mean to me? Yeah. And if you don't know that word dana, don't worry, you know its essence, which is the giving and receiving of what is valuable and precious. Yeah. What does that mean to me? I'm just going to be quiet for a minute, believe it or not, and let you reflect and feel. What does it mean to you? And so the, one of the beautiful things is we might do this, you know, every day or a few times a day, and, and we may, might get something different every time. Yeah. Um, so I've been reflecting on it a lot since that question. And, um, and one thing, yeah, that kind of uh, became very clear to me is one thing that Dana is about for me is that it take, takes things that are hidden and makes them kind of just like a, um, you know, a bulb that comes out makes them flower. Yeah. Makes them flower. So I know, you know, here in Israel where I am, this has been going on for a while because winter is when flowers blossom. But I know in the UK, I've heard today, like it's starting, yeah, the, the, the leaves are coming out, yeah, so that process. And Dana does that, yeah, it takes something that's hidden and it brings it out. And there's many, yeah, many things that are hidden that it shows to us, but one of them is. Uh, the way we're connected and related to each other. Yeah. One really important one. The way we're connected and related to each other. So, you know, just this Dharma Hall, <laughs> it wouldn't happen without this mutuality. Yeah. Without enough of us feeling like, oh, this is something worth doing. Right? And coming to, to have this exchange, yeah? Of support, being supported and supporting others. Yeah, it's Here's the movement of dana between us. Yeah. By being here, I'm supporting something that I value. I'm being supported by others coming because I'm not sure I would come and give a teaching just for one person. I might. Yeah. 
But you know, we're offering this to each other, we're supporting each other. And we're offering support. So this is one thing that it really, really makes explicit. Really shows us. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we can see each other, or we might see the 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 teacher that's offering some Dharma uh, reflections today. Uh, but we might not be really seeing Gaia House behind that. Yeah. So we can kind of also let Gaia House flower into our awareness. Yeah. And if you've been to Gaia House, you can really let your imagination <laughs> kind of, you know, think about the garden right now or whatever and just kind of bring it forth and all the people that are working to make this possible. So this whole kind of reflection, I, I could go on, it's not actually the theme I was planning to speak about, right. I seem to have hit a rich vein. Um, I, I'm speaking about dana uh, because of the invitation, yeah, the invitation to feel this, to feel what it means to you, yeah, to feel what it is for you, and then to also, if possible for you, to offer support. Yeah. So dana in the form of financial support for Gaia House, yeah. which is offering this freely, and uh, financial support for the teachings, if you wish, for me. I'm also offering it freely. And usually I um, usually I'd put some links in the chat, but uh, it's been a really busy day. I forgot, so I'm not going to go looking for them now. Um, I'm just going to send you to the Gaia House our website, which you all know. And right there on the online Dharma Hall page, there's, uh, there's the link to how to offer support to teachers and to Guy House itself. Um, and if you have the, our direct Dana details um, for me from previous times, feel free to use that as well. And as you're doing that, keep that question alive. What does Dana mean to me right now? Yeah. Keep that alive and feel the joy uh, in the practice. So, I wanna I wanna speak uh, today about um, another bedrock of, of our practice of our Dharma practice. So Dana is often referred to as a bedrock, as as a foundation, and another foundation is Sila, S I L A. And I was reflecting on this when I was writing notes early this morning for this talk. I thought, ah, it's interesting. When you teach a retreat, you know those two things are gonna be there. Yeah, there's going to be sila at the beginning and there's going to be dana at the end. Yeah. Always, that's always there. It's, it's nice. And we should, you know, we should do more of that. Yeah. Because really, foundations. Foundations of our practice. And it's so obvious, again, so obvious that often it's overlooked. You know, we don't, you know, we give a talk about sila at the beginning of a meditation retreat and, and we don't often give a whole Dharma talk about sila. And yet, it's so um, crucial for us. It's so much at the core of our practice. Mm-hmm. And the kind of our maturing on this path, yeah. maturing, developing on the path, um, is about strengthening this core of sila, and I'm, I'm keep using the Pali word because, like many Pali words, the translations are tricky. Yeah. It's, uh, it's um, the the translation I'm most um, comfortable with is kind of ethical call, 
Yeah, the ethical heart. Yeah, ethical foundation of, of our, our path. And, and one thing that I love about Sila, and I think that one, one part of why I think it's so important, is that it spans the different aspects of our lives. Yeah. It's important when we sit to practice, yeah. And how many times have I experienced for myself or have people come to me on a retreat and said, oh, when I sit, you know, I feel regret. I meet guilt. I feel shame. I have these memories coming up about ways that I've hurt someone. Yeah. So we meet it on the cushion. Yeah, this is why it was, it was so emphasized as a foundation. But not only on the cushion, it spans yeah, the aspects of our lives. It comes into our relationships. Yeah? It takes our practice from being just a practice that's introspective to being a relational practice. Yeah? It's about how we relate to each other. It's about how we relate to resources. It's about how we relate um, to the world that we live in. So it's really, yeah, core. Yeah, it's really core. And it's really beautiful. And it really is very freeing. Yeah, as a contemplation, as a practice. And so, you know, there's, there's sila as a motivation. And there's sila as the actual behavior. Yeah, that comes from the motivation. And, you know, it touches on the trickiest areas of our lives. Yeah. Trickiest. I'm going to name them <laughs> in a moment in case you know you're wondering what I'm talking about. Yeah. But yeah, the behavior and the motivation for that behavior, and and kind of the the most um, helpful motivation that I you know find is. Um, you know, seeing the practice of sila, seeing the practice of ethical, uh, of, ha- of inquiring into an ethical call, ethical conduct, ethical um, inquiry, is um, is non-harming. Yeah, seeing this as an intention of non-harming, seeing the practice as an intention of non-harming. Yeah. And then how do we bring that, this intention for non-harming, to these areas of you know, speech. I could stop there. Just that is a big one. Relationships, money, resources, sexual energy, power. Yeah. It touches on all of that right in the um, in the yuckiness of being human. You know, all the things we don't like to look at. Yeah. All, all, all the territory that we want to stay out of and just say, no, this is, you know, we bring our practice to this. We can't leave this out. It comes back. Yeah. It comes back. And so looking, you know, both, at, okay, these are the areas, yeah, that, that we, we meet ethics and also um, this is the, you know, the potential yeah, to open to this, the beauty of our motivation yeah, to uh, live in a way that doesn't cause harm, to live through compassion, 
Yeah, to live with freedom. Yeah. So it touches on, on the most beautiful aspects of our humanity as well as the yucky ones. <laughs> it touches on both. And so there's something that I really, um, you know, I love about Dharma teachings. I think, you know, this whole thing around ethics, you know, around sila, um, can be so different you know, to, the, um, to the religious traditions that many of us grew up in, you know, where there's a sense of, you know, there's, there's good and bad, yeah. And there's um, some kind of, um, you know, external authority which is determining, you know, there's sin, yeah. All, all this kind of language. And, and here it's about inquiry and about practice. It's not about being perfect. Yeah. It's not about being perfect. It's about being interested and alive in the way we explore. Yeah. The way we explore our humanity. So the whole atmosphere is about inquiry and about sensitivity and about interest and kindness and compassion. And that inquiry into what causes harm, yeah. first of all. And then how can I kind of not engage in the harmful and engage in you know, the opposite of that, in the compassionate in the supportive, in the nourishing. So it's a process, a process of understanding, a process of inquiry, a process of asking questions and being willing to sit with them or stand with them or walk with them, <laughs> yeah, or run with them, you know, depending on the conditions that we're in at that moment. Yeah. So there's a lot of courage involved as well. And so this is where, you know, we see how any part of the path that we're going to take, it needs the other part. <laughs> so we can't inquire, yeah, and we can't stay steady if there's no mindfulness. We can't be sensitive if there's no mindfulness, if there's no capacity to see what's going on. Yeah. So the more... Um, our the greater our capacity to stay present, to stay attentive with what is unfolding, both in the world around us and in ourselves, yeah. the more we can understand and the more we can choose, make choices that are in harmony with our deepest aspirations. And so I'm just going to give an example from, from my experience. I've, I've given it many times, so I apologize if you've heard it before. But... A few years ago, I was making the, the transition from a vegetarian diet to a vegan diet. Yeah? And it was because of ethical reasons. I'm not trying to convince you to do that. I'm just sharing my experience. Okay? To do. For me, it was an ethical choice. And yet, it was quite difficult for me to do. Yeah? It was quite difficult for me to do because I really, um, I really love tea. I just couldn't imagine that soy milk would ever taste as good in tea as cow's milk. <laughs> I 
And I also really love cheese. Those were the two really tricky ones, really hard. And I decided to do this transition, not as a black and white, not just decide and use willpower, but to, you, to do a practice of ethics. Yeah? And what did that mean? Yeah? It meant that I didn't make a rule. I didn't become a vegan. Yeah. What I did was I had an intention yeah, that whenever I wanted to eat an animal product, yeah, I would stop and feel and contemplate. Yeah. So that was the agreement with myself. I had to be present. <laughs> yeah. I had to contemplate, is this, you know, what, what are the consequences of this action? Yeah. That, was, that was what I was doing as a practice. And it was really beautiful because it was, you know, pretty much, you know, 100% of the time or very close. I mean, if I was present, it was 100% of the time. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't reach out for that milk yeah. if I was really present with the consequences. And again, this is my, you know, this is my ethical compass. This is what matters to me. Yeah. I'm not telling you what you need to do at all. Yeah. But I'm just giving this example of a, of a practice, you know, we can practice with this. So the transition, you know, it was pretty quick <laughs> in the end, but it didn't come. There was no, you know, ah, this is from today. I just can't help you, I can't help and say, this is what I did when I became vegetarian. I was eight years old <laughs> and I'd wanted to be vegetarian when I was four. And my parents told me, you have to wait till you're eight. Yeah. So on my eighth birthday, that was the cutoff point. Okay, you said eight? Eight. Yeah. My eighth birthday, I stopped. I had a whole ritual the week before. I had tuna fish every evening. That was my favorite non-vegetarian food. <laughs> and on my eighth birthday, I just stopped. You know, that was when I was eight. And this is when I was in my 40s already, probably, or my late 30s. I can't remember when I became vegan. Slightly different attitude. Yeah. And the important thing is the, you know, really, can we, you know, what happens when we bring presence? And it's then much more than about the particular choice, yeah? We're cultivating so much more. So in this case, the compassion is cultivated, the capacity to see clearly is cultivated, the sense of faith and confidence in being able to be true to my aspirations, yeah, my intentions. Yeah, gross. There's so much. Yeah, so much there. And of course, when we cultivate that capacity in one area, yeah, then we cultivate it in others. Yeah. So I can bring that same sense of inquiry. You know, where is this bringing? Where, where is this going? <laughs> yeah. Right now, you know, maybe something is triggering me. Maybe somebody's doing or saying something that brings up ill will or fear, yeah, which is a trigger. <laughs> for aggression, right, brings up something. And again, if I'm interested to inquire into that and say, okay, where is this leading? Where is this leading? Is it going to bring harm? Or is it going to lessen harm? So we open and we kind of um, cultivate this capacity to an incredible degree. So we can work skillfully with all kinds of human manifestations that would normally impede our judgments. 
and that we would often later regret because we're sensitive beings. Yeah, sensitive beings. So compassion and wisdom, I mentioned them at the end of the meditation, wasn't <laughs> by chance. Compassion and wisdom are the kind of our guides on this path. Yeah. The compassion, that movement of the heart towards non-harming, towards harmlessness and non-ill will and non-cruelty. And the wisdom, yeah, the wisdom that uh, knows, you know, that we don't always know. <laughs> yeah, that sometimes, um, you know, we can just stay steady and trust our good intentions and we don't know what the, what the fruit will be of our actions. And that's also okay. The wisdom that keeps us in this slightly uncomfortable sometimes place of an ongoing inquiry rather than certitude. Yeah. Rather than black and white, good and bad. Yeah. But the inquiry, the, will the, the willingness to be in those yucky places of being human. If we're not willing to be there, yeah, we're not going to heal them. Not for ourselves and not in the world. So one really interesting thing that we might notice, and as I said, uh, this relationship be be between harmlessness, between um, our ethical core and sensitivity, and our meditation practice is really close. Yeah? And so we can start to get to know through the sensitivity that we develop in practice. We notice when we harm, when we act in ways that bring harm, yeah, that injures us. We're such sensitive beings, yeah. such sensitive beings, yeah. and we can feel it, yeah. we can feel already even before or during yeah, saying something. Yeah. Mm. Saying something that would hurt someone, yeah. we can feel it as a tightening and a contraction yeah, in the body and in awareness. And when we act in tune with our aspirations for compassion and harmlessness, there's spaciousness, yeah. there's ease. So this is a great indication for us yeah, of where we, we might be heading. And also a way of working with that. So if we meet a sense of contraction and a tightening, we can work with the body to ease, to open, to relax. And then we're less bound. Yeah, by the force of that momentum. So we can bring this inquiry into, you know, all of our lives. <laughs> As I said, this is kind of part of what I love about it. It opens up the realm of practice to so much more. You know, I had this in the in the post office the other day, I went to the post office to um, buy my mother some special envelopes that they have here, which mean like that um, it's prepaid envelopes and it's kind of speed post. Yeah. And you have to buy them in advance. So I went to buy them for her and she wanted 10 of a particular size. 
yeah. And I went to the post office <laughs> and the clerk took some time to find them. Yeah. And when she came back, she came back not with 10, but with 20. And she very kindly, yeah, very generously, she said to me, ah, you know, there's only 20 left and it's going to be a really long time before we get any more. So you better take all 20. Yeah. And immediately what comes up, it's, yeah, you know, take it all for myself. <laughs> of course, you know, it doesn't matter that I only wanted 10. It doesn't matter that my mom uses about three of these a month. You know? It's like, you know, yeah, take that, you know. And so much gratitude for the practice, yeah, because even there, standing in front of the clerk in that moment, and I already said to her, yes, I'll take all of them. And then I was like, no, no, stop. <laughs> Don't take what isn't freely offered, you know. Don't take more than you need. Yeah, this is one of the precepts, one of the inquiries of the practice. Do I need 20? No, I only need 10. What about someone else? You know, what about someone else? Really easy. And, and it's, a, it's a really silly and, um, example. And yet, you know, I'm sure if I'd walked away with 20, I would have felt bad. Yeah, I would have felt bad because I was acting from greed. Yeah, and I wasn't seeing um, mutuality. I wasn't seeing the other person or persons who would come looking for that particular size speed post envelope yeah, and not get them. And so, so much gratitude, you know, so we can bring this inquiry into, you know, small things like that, random things like that, and also, you know, ongoing choices that we make. Yeah. And ethics, you know, they cover all, everything we do, right? What we eat, yeah? And again, nothing about veganism or organic food here. I'm not pushing, yeah, at all. But just looking at what, what we eat, what we buy, yeah? What we do, yeah? How we speak, what we prioritize, you know, it covers everything. And I really hope that you, you're getting the excitement and beauty of this rather than the sense that sometimes comes of like, oh no. <laughs> but remember, you have it, you know, we have choices. Yeah. It's up to you. You do it the way that is fruitful and supportive for you. You bring this practice into your life in a way that's nourishing and supportive. These are not the Ten Commandments. It's not a sin to do this or that. It's about deepening. Yeah? It's about cultivating more understanding and more compassion. Yeah? If that's what you're interested in. More presence. More faith. More confidence. In yourself and in the possibility of awakening. So a beautiful practice. And a beautiful reflection. Yeah. Not to just be left for, you know, a 10-minute reference at the beginning of meditation retreats, but something to remember. This is foundational for our practice in our lives, and it makes us happier. Yeah. Makes us happier when we live yeah, 
in a way that's in accord to what we know matters, whatever that is for each of us. It makes us happier when we remember that we don't live separately from other beings. We don't live separately from the earth. So let's have a, a quiet moment together to bring this to a close and then there'll be time for questions if there's any. So thank you so much for your listening and your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.